8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Gada. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Gada. All right, so we get to the second half of the show today and, and we call, well, the feature's called The Big Picture as opposed to The Big Hitter. The Big Picture is on land and I have a sense that for a good few months we will look at different people talking about the issues around uh, around the land. So my guest today is, is someone who actually called in yesterday onto the show. We said, let's, let's get him to talk about this confusing issue of his narrative of the land. And I'm talking about Masiwa Lakota, who's the, who's the leader of the, the Congress of the People. That's, of course, his scope. So good chatting you and thanks for thanks for coming in uh, good evening and uh, good evening to the listeners thank and you thanks for having me it's a pleasure now now we're gonna we're gonna have some crossings to the world cup at different times uh, within within the context of this because of that uh, spain iran game we'll have updates on that Let, let's then therefore get very quickly to what i'd call the, the the narrative around land without looking at what we'll do next around yes. you know expropriation i think even when you called in yesterday there's this debate about who who had the land, who stole the land, who didn't steal the land. And your views, you know, are very different to what many other people, what other views they hold. So let's go back according to your understanding. Yes. Who was here first? What happened? Who took the land? Who, who stole it? Who sold it? Who didn't steal it? Help us with that. Well, the first point to make is that uh, the original settlers here, or, uh, let me say occupants of the land is southern africa where both the sun and the koi mm-hmm. uh, later joined by the bantu speaking sections of south africa what do you call the the tribes as, that, as they moved south that drifted south yeah. from the great lakes then of course uh, they arrived european arrivals on their way to the east indies they didn't even at that time, know that there was this part of the world necessarily. But they knew they had to go around and then go to the east. This is where they were going. They were not coming here. And uh, the, the Portuguese first arrived. Then, of course, later the Dutch, who actually established a permanent uh, halfway station. They brought in 10, uh, well, interacted with the Koi mm-hmm. and uh, with the Koi and, and, and the Sun later on. And Interacted and then made it a halfway station. For lack of labor, they brought Filipino slaves here, and that contributed to the population. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhat later, uh, the French Huguenots. Uh, came from Europe as a result of religious wars or the other, and they ran away from the refugees and came here, uh, joined the population, and then later, of course, the German uh, also refugees from the religious wars. Uh, all along, there was a continuing trade of uh, bringing slaves and slave labor was a dominant uh, form of labor in this. And this place. is from the from the from the Dutch, from, from the and Dutch. under the under the Dutch at okay. this time under the Dutch. Of course, there were in, in, in neighboring countries like Angola. Of course, the Portuguese were also busy trading with the slaves. And if you go around to the eastern side, uh, Mozambique and Natal. Of course, Natal was first settled by the Portuguese. Mm, by the mm, way, mm, mm. so. Um, <clears throat> Then, as a result of Europe, wars in Europe, 
Britain, Great Britain, uh, defeated the the Dutch and temporarily occupied the Cape Colony. Uh, in 1803, they handed it back as a result of the amnesties, the peace uh, in Europe. Uh, but three years later, the British returned after they once again had hostilities and they took South, Af- South Africa to become uh, what we call South Africa. Now it was mm, not called yeah. South Africa at that time. Yeah, yeah. They took the Cape to become a permanent possession of the British. So the movement inland took much more determined uh, efforts under the British rule. The wars that were fought eastwards uh, largely and by by the 18 those 1800s by 1834 the British uh, abolished uh, slavery 1833 to be precise and uh, as a result of which most of the Dutch, the French, and the the original the settlers that had arrived here, as a result of which they, uh, the Great Track happened as a protest. And they moved northward. To the, yeah, they moved no, no, as a protest against the emancipation of the slaves. Okay, let, let, let's get it in terms of the, the importance of the context of the issue of land. You, you made the point that the, the sun and the koi were the with the original settlers, the what you'd call the Bantu tribes that moved southwards, when they when they moved southwards, wh- northwards, northwards, not not south coming to to South Africa. Oh, you mean the the, the Bantu tribes yeah. coming down initially? Yes, yeah. of course. Then so, the, so at that stage, hmm. what, what, who who owned the land at that stage, according to you? Most of so of this of this territory was occupied by the Sun and the Khoi, but of course the the, the tribes traveling coming down south were in bigger numbers. In terms of development, they were at the higher stage of development, having fashioned steel. Uh, they used the throwing spears and including later on stabbing spears with shields. Now, if you look at the, the nomadic communities of the, of the sun and the koi, they still use bow and arrow. They were no match for the big population groups that the Bantu tribes were. So in today's world, it's like IT knowledge versus no IT knowledge. That's right. But that type of thing, right. So, so as a yeah. result of that, did they then engage in wars? Of course, they t- took over the territories. All right. And you know how war is in, in those early uh, periods. If you defeated the people, you, you absorbed them, you took their property, you took uh, their women and all of that. Mostly the so men in, were killed. Your understanding, is, is that is that fair game in terms of what you say... Um, the, the way the world worked at that time. If if the if the if the Bantu tribes moved and engaged in the war with the Sun and the Koi and they they had a battle and they conquered them in the battle, they then keep all the possessions. It's there yes. will be no one to complain to. It'll that be was uh, that was that was the way history happened. Is the same way that when uh, the British uh, arrived, for instance, in the Americas, they conquered the tribes that were there. And they took large numbers. Those, those are white people that you see in the United States, all of them got there as a result of conquering the people that were there. And, of course, because of their superiority of their weapons, they could mow down large numbers of them. And they, so what, what happened between, between the Bantu tribes and uh, the Bantu-speaking tribe and the uh, Koyan-san, the similar thing happened. Uh, 
People talk about uh, uh, the son as the bushman. They are not bush people. And in any normal situation, no animals would go and live in a desert when there is fertile territories with water and yeah, green grass. Enough, yeah. The human beings who preyed on the on the on the animals and so on would also not live here and go to the Okay, so so with that in mind, uh, because I, I'm very interested in, in what all this means for land. So the koi and the sun, because at the moment there's this whole narrow debate about who owns the land and let's go back to day one. So are no, you suggesting Therefore, that if the Koi and the Sun say that they actually have the first claim to land, you saying under the accepted rules of engagement of those years, that claim would have been forfeited because they were defeated at that point. It would time. be forfeited because they were defeated. Yeah. Similarly, when we got defeated, we forfeited that as well. Same principle so you by, by what? The British and the Dutch. Indeed. So I'll show you this. The Free State used to be, for instance, part of Lesotho. We were governed by Mushoeshwe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, in Lesotho. But when we got defeated and the king, the royal house of Lesotho signed the protectorate status, essentially we were ceded because the free state was ceded now to the whites, the arriving whites, including those of us who lived in the free state and all of that. We were ceded to British rule. We were therefore cut off from the royal house and the royal rule. Mm, that mm, mm. Similarly, when Khama signed the protectorate uh, status of what you call Botswana today, Bichwana land, yeah, as it was called, Basutu land, as Lesotho was called, Bichwana land, in signing that treaty, ceded the whole of the part that is northwest today, that was Botswana territory, ceded it, including the people that were in it, game and everything, gone. Similarly, when uh, uh, when uh, Isilo Samaswati, uh, the king of the Swati, when they signed that protectorate, ceded the whole of Mpumalanga and Swati that lived on it and so on. We were conquered. It was so, a so, war. So, so if you, if I understand this, you say the the principle of conquering took place by three, four different tribes, and you can say ditto with that in many other tribes and communities around the world. doesn't have an impact on South Africa, but at that stage, it was the accepted norm no matter where you went. No matter whether you were in India, whether you were in the Americas, with Nigeria, Ghana, everywhere. Whether we find it morally right today is another it's story. It's another probably. question okay. that... Would you then say then, and this is the key thing before we get to the break... In fact- Hard-hitting interviews on SAFM. It's all about the land and who owns the land and, and uh, what do we do about the land. We'll get to that just now. We, I'm fascinated with that history. And we'll see what the quarter from COPE, the lead of COPE, is with us and explaining all of that that happened. Um, and if you just recap that point about just about every, you know, call them tribes, came into certain spaces, engaged with others who existed there. And the norm around the world has been that ultimately they have conflict and whoever wins that, um, almost like lions fighting it out, sort of conquer and then keeps that space. Um, here's a question, um, which is almost a repeat of, of what was earlier on. How did they conquer the Khoi? Were there any conflict between these two groups, the Khoi and the, and the Bantu and when? So w- was there conflict at all or... Well, there, there, there was conflict, uh, not not extensive, because, frankly, there was no contest. It was almost a no contest thing because the Bantu tribes were much bigger in numbers. Okay. And if you are faced with somebody with bow and arrow, and you've got spears, you've got uh, 
uh, shields and you've got nobkiris and all of that. It's too formidable uh, a force. And then uh, that's why they, they tended to drift towards drier parts of the country for survival, you know. And uh, But then, of course, the, the, the Europeans coming in came with much more sophisticated weapons, muskets, and later on the British with uh, cannons uh, and all of that. Okay, so, so that was then repeated by, by different generations at different times. So, right. so the key thing here, and this is where we're going to move on with the, with the land issue here, is when we then talk about who owns the land um, and what didn't happen around 1994, and, and the narrative now is that let's go back to the owners and give them their land. And for many people, the owners would be black Africans or black South Africans, right? Your, your views then are different to, to what appears to be the norm, right? No, le- let me clarify one thing, which will be important, and you'll okay. see why. Uh, now, I, I, I just summarize this by saying this, that Britain, having conquered uh, the land and taken the colony, even when the, the great trek had happened and the, the whites had come uh, north into the territories of the Free State and the Transvaal. Even after that, the British followed followed them, mm-hmm. conquered those territories of the Free State of the Transvaal, and declared the, the, the country we know today in 1910, they had the convention in 1908, in 1910 they declared it the Union of South Africa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By that act, Britain turned us into a new modern capitalist state called the Union of South Africa. At that stage, we were never South Africans. Until that point, we had not been South Africans. Okay. Now, now, now contextualize the significance of all of that in terms of the the move about giving the land to, to those that live in it for many people, and I'm talking about from what the ANC says, what the EFF has said, what, what COPE is saying. You know, for many people, the obvious one is give back the land because the white people came here and they stole it. So if they stole the land, you don't, you don't even want them. How can you give them compensation when someone steals your car? You just take your car back. That, in a nutshell, is the narrative. What, what then is your solution to that? No, we have to take now a new national state has been created by the British by Act of Union. Who are the population of this new state created? It includes the Malay sla- great-grandchildren of the Malay slaves. It includes the Filipino slaves brought here. It includes those Higginots uh, I spoke about. Every one of the people that it includes the indentured laborers that came here and after indenture, uh, many of whom could not find their way back to India, became part of the population of this huge new national state called the Union of South Africa. Political power at this stage is in the hands of the white section. 1910 you're talking about now. In 1910, when the British handed political power it it political power in independence political power was in the hands of the white sections of the population and later in 1960 60, uh, 61 the 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 british <coughs> sorry 
the the white section, largely the African speaking section, declared it a republic and broke away from the Commonwealth. But the independence, the creation of this new state, was a a fate that came accomplished. So can I can and, I say and, and, yeah. and part and part of international law because all of these treaties that were being signed as wars and were being concluded and all of that have become part of the body of international so, law. So let's confirm that you're saying there were different tribal leaders, names you may be all familiar with, whether they're from the, uh, you mentioned Botswana land and, and, uh, and, and the Basutu people, and can I include the people from the Kosa tribes and the Zulu tribes? Are you suggesting at different times they all signed treaties, which means they were the leaders of their land and they had either taken or given away, and therefore if people say they have a claim to that historical land, that's gone. It's gone because, you see, by signing the treaties that they signed, they considered that now you are governing here. And they were left with some, of course, they continue to occupy some of the lands and so on, largely as trust lands and other things like that. When, for instance, in 1870, in 1879, Amazulu were defeated by the British at Rock's Drift, and uh, they smashed the royal house and took Techoayo, the king, Isilo, to England. They, they subdued them, and the, the, the terms of treaty after that made, made Amazulu common people of this new entity. And we ourselves were no different from those who had been seated by the Dutch and things like that, all of us. And this is why our lead, the leaders of our people, uh, and I'm talking now about the black sections of the population, mm -hmm. sought to persuade the British to give qualified franchise, which was a system of voting in the Cape and Natal, that it must spread and cover the whole country so that there's equality of status. And when, when we fought... When the ANC was formed, and, uh, which was the first uh, South African Native National Congress, mm -hmm. it was not to fight to get rid of the white sections of the population. It was to fight to get equality of rights, which we achieved in 1994. And now, in 1960, South Africa becomes a republic, a breakaway from British rule. And when they banned our organization, the black sections takes up to arms, and they say in their words, to put pressure on the white regime, on the apartheid regime, to go to negotiations so that there is settlement that gives all of us equal rights and makes South Africa a common home. Okay. What we'll do is, I'm going to get callers as well, 0891-104207. So Mike, we'll join you in just a minute or two. I want to get your thoughts, but I, there's some pressing issues that we need to just clear up with Musiwa Lakota before we get an update on the soccer scores as well uh, just now. Musiwa Lakota talks land year, is a leader of the Congress of the People, and that's the narrow focus. So we're not talking party elections next year. That will, We'll have further chats around it. Okay. So with that in mind, okay, am I right in saying that that your point is when, when it comes to the, this land expropriation that is being now talked about, mooted, what, what is your stand on it now? You, yourself, or you as COPE? Well, we as COPE are exactly as what the Constitution says. Mm -hmm. We say this. In the founding provisions, chapter 1, at Codesa, 
we agreed, we said, the Republic of South Africa is one sovereign democratic state. By those words, we open South Africa to all sections of the population. No band to stand now, no more. So anyone, all of us can stay anywhere in South Africa. It's our home country. Whether you came as indentured laborers from India or whatever else, you are now a South African, number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, we said that the constitution, this constitution would be the supreme law of the land. Agreed. We, number three, we said there's a common citizenship for all of us. Whatever your race, whatever your origin, if you are born and bred here, you may have been great-grandchildren of slaves. This is your home country. Okay. And, and that's it. So once it's like that, no one can claim that we, this be country belongs to us and not to you, or this land belongs to us and not to you. Unless the constitution is wrong. We know who drafted it, but unless they made a mistake. It was. You, you don't think so? They, they made no mistake. It was no mistake that here. This thing was not a mistake. In fact, at Codesa, there was no OAU. There was no United Nations. There was no international organization interfering in how we solve this problem. There was only South Africans. All sections of the population were rep represented there. And we chose who will chair the proceedings, who will lead the commit committees of that, etc., etc. And these decisions were taken by all of us, recognizing the fact that in 1910, we had become, whether we liked it or not, subjects of the royal crown of the British. And now that they had left us, it was for us to find each other and make it a common okay. home. So just pause for a moment, because what are the implications of that if we follow what you're saying in terms of how land does get expropriated or if anything, should it get expropriated? Uh, we'll think about that. Hashtag SFM Viewpoint. All right, we are chatting to uh, Mosiwa Lakota. Really interesting and around his narrative, of course. And I know this. Some people are like, no, we disagree. This man's crazy. He's selling us out. And all these things have been said before. And, and of course, I know the leader of, of, the, of COPE has heard that before. Uh, however, that's his opinion. We will get other people with different opinions. And we've had them already, of course. You know that. Mike, however, from Durban. Uh, welcome to the show, Mike. Hi. Hi. Good evening, Asha. Good evening. And your guest, Michelle. Thank you. Go ahead. Listeners. Thank you. Mishaya, the are you aware that Bounty speaking in Guni people lived under King Mpufu in the year 320 BC in Egypt? Uh, they were soldiers, possibly slaves as well. And then the Great Migration took place south. Some of them, some of them must have migrated into the northeast of the Congo. And there was a guy by the name of Mandela there, uh, Malandela. And one of his sons came down to the area north of the Tugela River and colonized that area, being okay. called Zurudan. All right, let, let, let's find out. That was around yeah. about the 1700s. Okay. Mike, can, I'll, I'll, you listen on the radio, right? Thank you. Thanks for that call. You, you got that? Go ahead. No. <clears throat> I will not, uh, I cannot uh, 
deal with that. I haven't gone as far back as that in history, but I, what I have indicated is clearly the Bantu-speaking tribes came south mm-hmm. from the Great Lakes, and some went east of the Dragonsberg, others west of the Dragonsberg. The ones who went east, um, tend the language mutated into all these cliques and, and so on and so on. Whereas the southern part side of the Dragonsberg, western side, uh, did not develop those cliques. I have no come across any literature as to why that happened like okay. that. But you can see when you, you speak both languages, you'll, you'll find that the it's quite clear the root is the same. Right. Let, let's get to, to the one <coughs> issue now. So with all that in mind, what's, what's your position regarding expropriation of land? Well, I wanted to say before I deal with this that at Codessa we agreed that that there were injustices in our past, and that is in the preamble of the Constitution. We recognize the injustices of our past. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We honor those who suffered for justice and freedom in our land. We respect those who have worked to build and develop our country. And we believe that South Africa belongs to all who live in it, united in our diversity. Now, those are the four principal points that are agreed. And by the way, we, it is not our generation that made some of these observations. In 1955, after uh, apartheid had been introduced, five congresses, the South African Indian Congress, the African National Congress, the Congress of Democrats, which represented whites who were against apartheid, and the Colored People's Congress and the South African Congress of Trade Unions. These were an older generation of us. They said, look, we don't want apartheid. Mark you, as early as 1910, they had accepted that. They had already accepted each other as uh, common people living in this country. And all they had wanted for from the British was that there must be equality of status. In '55. They said, we don't want apartheid, but can we formally agree on what we want in the place of apartheid? Okay. And at Cape Town in 55, our forebears declared, and they said, for the world, for everybody in the world to know that we want a South Africa which belongs to all As who live the, in... the Freedom Charter. As for the Freedom okay. Charter. So, so uh, that, that having been said in the Freedom Charter... They went back to their communities and everybody endorsed it, including the Bantu-speaking sections who were largely in the African National Congress. The majority of them adopted that. There was a minority in the ANC that said, no, they don't accept that. But the vast majority did. Okay, so so right now, I remember Ali Mazrui, the famed uh, um, African scholar, made the point when, when this country had changed. He said the problem is that economic wealth resides with white South Africa. Therefore, that's the crown jewels. Okay. Now, so we now where we are from 94, you know, besides the 50s, we're now at, ni- at 2018. Is there a need? I mean, we know that at 94, when we all voted equally, there was still an unequal distribution of wealth in our country. There's no doubt about it. No right? doubt about that. Yes, now, yeah. is there a need, therefore, to now expropriate land at all or is expropriating land inconsistent with the Freedom Charter 
and, and, and that Union of South Africa and the Republic of South Africa and all the other treaties that happened before us? Well, for, to answer you, because I said that we, we rely on the correctness of the Constitution. We go to Section 25 mm-hmm. of the Constitution, which says, in order, first of all, I must say to you that we wanted Codesa, we had wanted negotiations so that we can address the problems of our country mm-hmm. in a peaceful country characterized with stability so that we correct what went wrong in history. And I said, I referred you to the preamble. We wanted to correct that without creating new conditions for the conflict that had characterized our country since, since the 1400s, 1500s, 1600s, right through up to the point at which we were. Okay, but I'm going to move because we don't have much time. So do we yeah, need yeah, to... No, no, no. Do I we, just, need to we do. We do. Say. Why, it's, why is there a need for it? It's here in the Constitution. It says no one may be deprived of, of property except in terms of law of general application. And no law may permit arbitrary deprivation of property. We need it because, among other things, there are various purpose, you know, public purpose that will require at some point, if you want to build a road, and that road must go, uh, cannot fly in the air, you have to expropriate land to do that. That is for public purpose but also for public interest. However, the Constitution says it must be subject to compensation because if you are going to take anybody's property without compensating them, you are going to provoke the conflict which we were trying to terminate. Okay, so so you, uh, and, and I need to rush you, unfortunately, yes, because we yes. have to wrap up at quarter two, so we don't have yeah, much time, yeah. right? Um, so the issue then, so, so your stance the ANC stance is expropriation without compensation in terms of now. That's right? what they say now, yes. Um, the EFF is very clear on that as well. And yes. I'm looking at the, the, the DA saying no. You saying? We are saying expropriation may happen. It may be done by the government. And in this constitution, we authorized the state to have the power to expropriate. But then we said subject to compensation. Because apartheid had been taking people's properties by force without compensating them, just taking it. We can't go on with this barbaric approach to a question that affects the future of so many. Is it not, is it not leveling the playing fields? No, 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 wait a, no, no, let me show you. First of all, we have already said South Africa belongs to all. That is already that is normalizing the situation. Because it means you can live... Gazangul, and live anywhere you want to live in South Africa. You can own property there and all of that and so on. The next issue is there are people who had evidence, title deeds, which in spite of those title deeds were dispossessed of their properties. We offered at section seven, subsection 7 of, of, of that property that such people must bring their title deeds forward. And because those properties which were confiscated that way, are registered at the deeds office. So that would be retribution, right? Returning what belongs to them. Restitution, yeah. Restitution. You restore them to the the original owners, whether they are individuals or communities. You restore that property to them. With with 
with compensation with compensation because to the to the because to the incumbents the, yeah, to the incumbents because the incumbents bought those properties from the previous government which had taken them without taking those properties from the original order without compensation since we are now government we must do right what, we, what that which government did wrong okay quick quickly therefore and i'll get to three callers very very quickly in just a moment uh, you know your views differ greatly from from two other parties right um, and and you being called all sorts of names you know you you're pandering to white monopoly capital and white south africa etc what what do you think is going to happen if this goes through even if there's no constitutional amendment which is what it seems like now so whichever way it happens sir i if can it happens, yeah. i i can promise you i can really promise you if the if the this government seeks to take properties of people today's generation mm-hmm. without compensation it is inevitable and unavoidable there will be bloodshed why, this, why? because the owners of those properties will defend them if need be with their lives in the same way that we chose to go to jail to be sentenced to death to be hung and all of that for our right to enjoy the right to enjoy South Africa with everybody else in the same way a new generation will arise that will say sorry we will not let you take okay. our properties and but but this this thing this constitution says because we have opened the country to be the home of everybody you can go anywhere and it has said to the government you must and you are bound to commit to land redistribution okay with compensation with okay. compensation right we got to, we got two minutes to go so i'm going to get, get three sorry, calls sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry first of all before compensation mm-hmm. there's huge amounts of land that were we were driven off are still in the hands of government the first thing is for the government to make that, those lands available to Which any is people what that many want. said they can do that very very quickly right yeah I'm, I'm afraid we don't have much time uh i will um no i'll tell you what let, let's let's ignore the cause now my apologies for that to to the guys who've been holding on we just don't have the time today i need to put some important issues uh to uh, Masiwa Lakota before before we wrap up so we've got about two minutes to go so i, I hear what you're saying right H- how then do you convince the other parties of the merits of what you say because, I mean, ultimately, you, you vote in Parliament, you make decisions, but you also want to convince them. Like the ANC, the ANC has supported an EFF, EFF bill the other day, right? How do you convince the other parties? Well, we are pointing out this thing, that do you want this country to go back into the turmoil of, being, of killing and being killed? Do you want that for our country? Do you want to destroy this infrastructure we have built here? Because this constitution says... Anywhere in the country, government can, if you want land to build, Section 26 says to you, everybody is entitled to, te- to have access to adequate housing. And it says the state must, not may, must take reasonable legislative and other measures to recognize that right to okay. people. We so if we can give people land for housing everywhere, and those who want to land to farm, there's huge amounts of land. The, all they need to do is to satisfy government that they are committed. They want to farm. They want land that they can farm on. We as government are entitled. We have the duty in terms of this constitution. If you look at section 
at, at, at Section 25, read with Section 29. Okay. We are entitled to expropriate land with compensation if they don't have education and training for farming and all of that. Section 29 gives them the right to do just that. To get okay. education so they can work all right. the land. In, in, in five seconds, what's going to happen? What will happen? Not what you want well, to Well, I believe firmly that the majority of South Africans are going to sustain this constitution. They are going to say no amendment to any section okay. of this constitution that Mandela was not drunk when he went to Sharville to sign this constitution. Okay. That's where we're going to leave it. We'll have further debates on this Simul Court, and I'm sure you're going to be part of that debate. Most appreciate yes. your input. The show is called The Viewpoint. He has his viewpoint. Clearly, you have yours. Let's, uh, let's get to our nightly drama, which starts now.